0: Welcome to the Reset Podcast, I'm Liz Tran, an executive coach to founders and CEOs of fast-growing tech companies, and I attribute my success to my spiritual practices, which are rooted in mindfulness and Zen Buddhism. In this podcast, I combine business advice with spiritual lessons to help you lead a courageous, authentic, and fulfilled life. Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast. I am kicking things off this episode with something a little bit different. I realized that I've been doing this same iteration of the podcast for over three years now, which is so wild. It's such a long time. And I have been really called to shake things up a little bit. I find myself getting a little bored. So let's just try some new things. So what we're going to do is at the beginning of every episode, I'm going to read a review of the week because I'm always so grateful for the reviews that you leave for me. And I thought I'd give them a little bit of airtime. So this one is from M Stand 12 It was just left a few days ago on December 4th. And MStan12 says, most valuable podcast. This latest episode has simply exceeded all expectations of any podcast out there. Liz feels like my own personal therapist, but better because I feel like not only is she experiencing the learnings with me, but there's a feeling that she portrays that there are many of us working to bloom into the best version of ourselves together. To say I'm grateful for Liz and this podcast is simply an understatement. Thank you, M. Stan, for leaving that review, and I'm glad that that is the energy that you're picking up from the podcast because that is true. The whole core of my work is the belief that every single person in this world deserves to operate at their best and highest potential, blooming into that best version of themselves. So that's what we're here for. And today's episode is along that same vein We are talking about the path not taken, how to get off the beaten path, how to be uniquely you, the art of not fitting in. Basically, this episode is all about how to live a life that is specific to you, even if other people do not understand you and what the benefits of that are. What inspired the theme of this episode is I am having a baby soon, should be here in three or four weeks. So, (laughs) getting really close. I'm getting pretty big right now, and it feels like this is the biggest thing on my mind, one of the biggest shifts and transformations I've ever made. But the point is, I am pursuing something that is a little bit different, and I'm doing a home birth. So, I'm planning for the baby to be born at our house in Connecticut where we live part-time. And the idea is that unlike hospital births, which treat birth as a medical emergency that often ends in surgery, I think the national C-section rate is like above 30%, home births view the labor and delivery process as natural, intuitive, something that is mother-led instead of doctor led. And so as the birthing person, you're really tuning into your connection with your child. You are feeling into your body. You get to move around. Whereas hospital births, oftentimes you are on your back, you're sitting in a bed, you're being consistently monitored with a bunch of different monitors on your stomach so that you cannot move, cannot trust your body to intuitively guide you. And even if you did, you wouldn't have the mobility to act on that Because you have to keep those monitors in place. And it's really physician led. You know, your doctor is telling you what it is that your body needs and why. They are directing the birth. You are not the one directing it. From the very, very beginning of finding out I was pregnant, I pretty much immediately knew that I wanted a non traditional quote unquote birth. So either at a birthing center at home, And it would be this sort of peak spiritual experience that was obviously very challenging and very hard, but would be transformational in me turning into a different person, right? Like how appropriate that something so significant marks the end of maidenhood and then propels me into motherhood, and then also welcomes a new soul into the world. So this baby that I've been carrying for almost 10 months suddenly has this experience where they're coming earthside into the world. And to me, it seemed like, wow, this is huge. I really don't want to do that in someone else's universe with the bright hospital lights, nurses coming in and out, the stress of being on a time clock, and then knowing that there was A cascade of different types of medicines and interventions that were just waiting to be pushed upon me at a hospital instead of having a beautiful, quiet, still environment to welcome this new person into our family. I have been getting so into the home birth universe over the past few months. I've been listening to all these different podcasts, talking to people who have had home births, reading books about it. And what is so wild is that I did not realize how fringe home birth actually is until I started learning more about it. So the state of Connecticut last year had about 35,000 babies born. So that's a lot, 35,000. And only about 300 of those babies were home births. So that's under 1%, which is pretty wild. And so keep in mind that I'm 38. So I'm having my first baby a little later than a lot of my friends, so I've watched a lot of the people who I'm closest to navigate this experience of their first birth, and it's been really surprising to me how few people I know have chosen home births, because I've been looking for stories and looking for advice from friends, even friends who are really kind of like anti the system or like very into crunchy nature, spiritual things, a little bit woo-woo, they have still not opted for a home birth. And so I was thinking, huh, I wonder what it is specifically that really deters people from wanting to do something that's very off the beaten path and why I in particular am really drawn to the alternative route to doing things in a different way. And as I was reflecting on that, I realized that all of my best life decisions have always come from choosing the path that was least taken, making a decision that a lot of people around me did not understand, but made sense to me. And I'm not talking about doing something just for the sake of being controversial, but rather making a choice that seemed so right for my life and who I am as an individual, even if the people around me thought I was making a terrible, terrible mistake. So that's what I wanted to talk about today. I want to talk about why it is that we as humans feel so compelled to choose what everyone else is choosing, right? To just go along with the crowd, how we can break free from that and the benefits that can come into one's life when you're able to choose the path least taken, when you don't care as much about fitting in. And finally, in this podcast, to create and allow some space for you to reflect on how you might want to do this in your life, especially now that the new year is coming up and we have all these opportunities to do things differently than we have before. Okay. So the first thing I want to acknowledge is that sometimes in life, it is the right decision to take the more obvious path. And this is especially true when one is getting started in anything. And I reflect back on my career and I see just how much it was aided by working at sort of more quote unquote traditional places that were the path that everyone wanted to take. So before I became an executive coach, I spent about four years working at a venture capital firm. And that was great. I do not believe that I would be where I am today as a coach, as an author, as a speaker, if I had not had that foundational experience doing the thing that was the path that everyone wanted to take, that was understandable, that had prestige and had approval all wrapped around it. It was a great job. It conveyed a sense of credibility to my career, made me seem like a more in demand person overall, having worked there. And I'm so grateful for it. I'm glad that they hired me. I'm glad that they gave me interesting work and that I was able to be promoted and grow from that experience. But I'm also equally as glad that I left that job five years ago and I took the harder path of saying, okay, This is a great job for someone, and a lot of people would love to do this job, but it is not the right job for me. And so in short, basically what I want to say is I'm not saying that one should never take a path that is a little bit more common or traditional. I think that that can actually be a good thing sometimes, especially when people are just starting out. But what I'm saying is don't let that trap you. Don't get stuck. And don't start to equate that with being your identity, right? Don't let you, the true you, the unique you get swallowed up. And this was a lesson that I really had to spend many, many years learning. It was a huge reversal of what I'd always believed to be true pretty much since I was a young kid. I spent my whole life trying to fit in. I really, really wanted to fit in. It was so important to me. And there were so many ways in which I didn't naturally fit in. You know, I was really different from the people around me. For instance, my mom had this really thick accent. She didn't look like a lot of the other moms I saw. I didn't know who my dad was. So I'd always make up lies even when I was like five years old so that I could fit in because no kid wants to have an awkward silence when you're on the playground and someone says, what do your parents do? You're like, oh, I've never met my dad before. It's just weird, right? Like everything about me was weird. There were so many things that were just so different. And I hated that. I just wanted to be normal. And so that pattern continued when I was in middle school and in high school and college. And I felt so deficient and so much like an outsider that I would lie to people about what my past was just so that I could feel a semblance of normalcy and feel like I belonged. I truly was convinced that if people actually knew the real me, where I came from, what my family was like, that that was so strange and so weird that no one would ever love me. No one would ever even like me. And when I was in my early 30s, I wound up meeting this amazing therapist who was really just so straightforward, (laughs) like to the point where she was almost mean. I had one of my friends once did like a trial consultation with her. And afterwards, my friend was like, your therapist is very cold and very mean. And I remember thinking, huh, I guess so. I guess that's right. But, you know, she would give me the tough love that I needed I remember one day I was complaining about how I'm always so tired and I said, I don't really understand why I'm so exhausted all the time. No matter how much sleep I get, no matter what I do, I'm just totally burnt out. And completely matter of factly, as if it were so obvious, she said, yeah, because the reason why you're so tired is you're always trying to be someone else for everyone around you. You're constantly conforming and changing yourself to fit in, and that's exhausting. And as soon as she said it, I realized how right she was, and I had never really heard that articulated before or even thought that about myself, but the second it was stated, I knew that that was accurate. I was working so hard to be anyone but myself, that even just getting through the day was completely tiring. And a really big turning point for me was, I remember it was one of the first few dates I had with my now husband. We had just gone to the movies. I think we watched Crazy Rich Asians or something like that. And then we went to this restaurant called Caravan of Dreams in the East Village in New York. And we were just sitting there at Caravan of Dreams, eating some delicious vegan food and he said, what was your childhood like? You know, what was it like growing up? And I just told him everything. He was the first person who I'd ever told everything to, beginning to end. I'm just sitting there over my hummus and my pita, just crying (laughs) and telling him about my life. And he just listened and without any judgment, without any sense of thinking lesser of me. And I know this sounds like, such a small thing because I think it's pretty easy for lots of people to show up and be themselves and believe that they'll be loved. But it was really the first time for me and it was so meaningful. I mean, even thinking about it now, I'm about to start crying because feeling that acceptance from him changed everything. And I know that, you know, people say you're supposed to love yourself before anyone can love you. And I do think that there's some truth to that, right? You have to make that investment in yourself as well. And you can't, expect to be saved by another person. But his love really did change so much for me. And I think I was obviously already working on it for myself, but it just swung open this door where suddenly I was like, wait, I can just be me, not just in this relationship, but in all facets of my life. And that has really been the turning point of my career and my life. Right now, I am the happiest I have ever been just across the board with who I am, what I'm doing. I just like myself. I like my job. I like my family. I love my friends. I love this baby that's about to come into the world. And I attribute so much of this to choosing that path that was least taken. And by that, I'm referring to that Robert Frost poem that I think a lot of us know and love, and it's about how he's walking through a snowy wood, and he comes across two paths in front of him. And one seems like it's been taken more, you know, there are footprints on it, someone who was just going down that path. And the other one, it's like the one that no one is choosing. And then he chooses that one, the neglected one, the less traditional path, and that has made all the difference. And I believe that to be true for myself so much. And so I want to invite you to do that now. And what I want to share is three ways that you can incorporate this unorthodox energy into your life. And I'm certainly not saying that you need to be unorthodox in every way or every decision you make needs to be weird and unique, but rather what I'm saying is that society is always pushing us to do what the people around us are doing, right? To fit in with the crowd. And we have to intentionally fight against this energy if we wanna carve out lives for ourselves that actually make us happy and feel fulfilled. So where does the urge to fit in come from? If you think about it, way back when we were humans living in hunter-gatherer societies, we had to fit in. We were working in a cooperative system with the people around us. So we needed the other people in that, in that social structure to accept us because being ostracized and being exiled from the group literally meant that you were going to die, right? You had to live in the society of roughly a hundred people if you expected to make it because things were bleak out there. And that's why we all naturally have this fear that if we don't fit in, it almost feels akin to a life and death situation, because it used to be. That's the way that we are biologically engineered. And that's why people have such acute fears of public speaking, because there's this deep-seated anxiety of being in the spotlight, being judged by the people around us, and knowing that if they do not accept us, then our very ability to survive is at risk. And that's a big deal. So it makes sense that we would crave approval biologically and that we really would want to be accepted. And what I'm offering here is that, yeah, being accepted and being well regarded by your community and the people around you, it's natural. It's biological. Plus, it also has a lot of benefits, right? Especially if you're trying to move your career forward or make friends in a new city. And what I just wanna simply offer here is that when taken too far to the point where that desire to be accepted and embraced starts to infringe upon your own sense of personal happiness, that's when you know that there's a problem. And so yes, we wanna fit in, we wanna belong, we wanna have affiliation, all that is great and it's very powerful, plus you have to be uniquely you at the same time. And so my first tip for how to get off the beaten path is just to ask yourself, what are the other ways of doing this thing? Are there other methods to get where I want to go? What have other people done that are different from what I've been taught or what I've seen out there in the world today? And in my own life, I really think about this decision to have a home birth where I knew right away that this is what I wanted, but I also did a ton of research and I thought, okay, obviously people have hospital births. Obviously people have births at birth centers, but what is the full spectrum of what is possible here? And then let me decide from a first principles perspective, what feels right for me and what feels right for my family. I've also seen this happen a lot now with the founders who I coach where, you know, even a couple years ago before the tech fundraising market shifted so much there was really one kind of archetypical way to build a business, and that was to raise as much funding as possible because money was cheap. You know, you could get funding not easily, but it was available. There was lots of it. And then just try to grow, grow, grow as quickly as possible. And now, because it's different, right? VCs, venture capital firms are not so loose handed with their pocketbooks, and it's been really fun to see. The clients who I coach who are still VC-backed companies look at different models of how they want to grow their business to think about, okay, what's really right for me instead of this growth at any cost model, what really works for my business, for my customer, and for my employees. And I think that's really cool because it opens up the aperture on what's possible for your life. And I actually think that's kind of the point of life. We start off with only a very small slice of visibility into what the world is, right? So when you are a baby, all you really know is the house that you live in. Then as you're a kid, you know your neighborhood, you know your grocery store, you know your school, you know your community, but that's pretty much it. Then you move outside of your hometown or you go to college and then your world keeps getting broader. Maybe you travel to different places and then that broadens your life even further. That was a huge moment for me is when I took a year-long sabbatical in my 20s and I traveled for a year, felt like, wow, whoa, my whole perspective has shifted because there's so much more to life than I even realized. And so you just keep expanding and expanding and expanding your viewpoint. And with any decision, any major decision that you have to make, I think it's so important to ask yourself, what's possible here? Not just what is common or what is typical, but what are even the fringe or non-traditional ways that people are doing this thing. And it doesn't mean that you have to choose that non-traditional thing as a default, but at least it can inspire you and it can broaden your horizons. Even something as simple as thinking about the wedding that I wanted and how I wanted to get married, I tried to think, okay, what feels right for us as a couple right now with the constraints of COVID? And so we had a very non-traditional wedding. It's also been similar as I've made my way into the world as a coach. I've learned about how different coaches operate and what their programs look like and, you know, how they run their structures and their systems. And I have found all that really useful, but over time I've developed my own and that feels really important. And so I want to invite you to do the same. Expand and broaden your horizons. And then from there, make the choice that is right for you. The second suggestion that I want to offer for how to get off the beaten path is that every once in a while, we just need to shake things up we need to just change how we're doing things. And I think this is really important because people do get into ruts. I mean, I experienced this myself and what a powerful time, the beginning of this new year to get yourself out of those ruts, to just try something different, literally for the sake of doing something different. I really believe that if you just change one thing about your life, then it opens up the space and the possibility for so many positive changes to flow in. But you have to indicate to the universe that you're here for that, that you are available and open for something new and different. Have you ever had the experience of moving furniture around in your apartment, even if it's just some small changes, and then suddenly you feel like a totally different human being? or doing something like a triathlon or a marathon training. And it's just one small shift in your daily habits, but suddenly it feels like you could literally take on anything in the world. So yes, it is great to take a travel sabbatical or quit your job or move cities, but you don't have to if that feels really scary and big. But choosing something that shakes up the very DNA of what your day-to-day life looks like, it's just so powerful because Doing that one thing then invites in the energy of getting off of that beaten path, of changing things up. There's research that shows that psychologically, we are more able to create habit changes in our lives when there's a definitive break from the normal reality of what we're experiencing. So for instance, when a person moves apartments, that is the perfect time to start exercising and eating healthier because everything's already up for grabs in terms of what the day-to-day routine looks like. So if you feel like you've been on the traditional path for too long or you've been stuck in a rut, see if you can make one big environmental change And on the heels of that, invite in a host of behavioral or perspective changes as well. So I want everyone to take just a short minute here, and you can even pause the podcast if you want, but just to think about what in your life needs shaking up. Is it your daily routine? Is it your friendships and relationships? Is it the way that you've been approaching some big chunk of your life, like work or dating? I think we all kind of intuitively know what feels stale and needs a refresh. And so just go to that, whatever you are intuitively drawn to, whatever pops into your mind right away, they could use an up level or an upgrade, or even just some fresh thinking around it. Like, what do you need to switch up? And then you leap. You don't overthink it too much. You don't over architect it or over-analyze it. You just make a change that you want to make, even if you're scared to, and then watch as everything else feels like it gets shaken into place. You're going to be noticing over the next few weeks or months, depending on when this baby comes, but I'm making a lot of big changes to my career and to the work I put out just because it felt like I needed to. And I don't really know where... It's all going to head, but I know that it feels right for me, even if no one else is telling me that I need to do this. So that was a little bit of a cliffhanger. <laughs> so you'll be seeing some of it soon, and I hope that you like it. And if you don't, that's okay too. And then my final tip for how to get off the beaten path is, is to lean into the unique and quirky parts of your personality. So all the weird things about you, instead of trying to de-emphasize them or even hide them in some way, what if you just embrace them and leaned into you and all the ways that you don't fit in? And those were the things that you actually really loved and treasured about yourself. It makes me sad now thinking back about how in my childhood, I was so embarrassed and ashamed about my Vietnamese heritage and how my mom was always sending me to the acupuncturist and I was always eating weird herbs and flowers and how our house smelled differently and how we had an altar for our ancestors and people would come over and be like, why do you have all these pictures of dead people on your wall? And now I think all those things are so cool and I do them now as an adult. It's really funny how the things that you know set us apart, we can feel ashamed of them or we can feel really proud of them. And now I look back very differently and I think, wow, that was actually pretty cool. And my mom did a lot of things, not well as a parent, but I do like her commitment to Chinese medicine and to honoring our ancestors. And I'm into that now as an adult. And so now I want to invite you to think about yourself in the same way. What are some pieces or parts of you that might seem weird or quirky or things that maybe you were even made fun of for when you were younger or even are still made fun of for now? And I wonder if there is some way that you can make the commitment to leaning into those things and feeling proud of them instead of shying away from them. It's funny because I have been really emotional and really nostalgic recently for obvious reasons. I'm in a very formative period of my life, plus lots and lots of pregnancy hormones. (laughs) Plus, I'm going to be 40 in like a year and three months or something like that. And big milestone birthdays also invite big milestone thinking. So I've been reflecting a lot on my life in a very emo way and thinking about How lucky I am to be where I am. It's very unexpected. (laughs) I think for everyone who knew me when I was younger and even for myself, I just feel very privileged and very honored to have the life that I do. And I wonder often about how I got here. And when I look back, I can see that, you know, part of it was hard work. Part of it was like honestly a lot of luck. And there's also this experience of looking back and seeing the structure of life. As a series of decisions that were at my table that were sitting in front of me. And oftentimes there were two paths that I could have taken. I'd walk through door number one or walk through door number two. And we don't get a ton of these in our lives, you know, but we also don't get an insignificant amount of them either. They're always popping up pretty consistently, asking you what kind of person do you want to be? Do you want to choose what's behind door number one or door number two. And when I look back at all the best decisions that I ever made, it was always from choosing door number two, which was the path that was a little bit weirder, a little bit stranger, and I couldn't quite explain why I was doing it, but I just really knew that I needed to. And of course, there were times when I chose door number one and that worked out extremely well too, but I think a life of just choosing door number one over and over and over again winds up looking like something that doesn't even belong to you. It erases any semblance of specificity or character that belongs to you. And obviously, choosing door number two is harder work, right? It's a little bit tougher to grasp. There's less information about it. It's less clear how it's going to work out. You have fewer data points. But it's so worth it to explore that less beaten path. Even if you wind up not taking it, the act of even considering it and getting to know it is so powerful, opens up your whole worldview and perspective. And so here we are, we are at the end of the year almost, we have Mercury retrograde coming upon us in just about a week or so. And so I want to invite everyone to step into this energy of doing things differently, rethinking what you've taken for granted and asking yourself, Maybe there's a different way that I've missed. Perhaps I can start to see my life anew. Thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode. And if you feel supported or seen in any way, then I really hope you take the time to leave a review. They matter a lot in terms of the podcast being elevated and people being able to see it. And I do love connecting with all of you. And so please leave a review. Write me, ask questions, and I will see you here in two weeks.